Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 20, which begins with Fifi telling Max about the Knight Rider's friends, and it ends with Toe Cutter's gang rolling into town. Happy Friday, Julia. Happy Friday. This is the end of week four. Can you believe we've already done like a month of these? Wow. How time flies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we start off this minute with Max responding to Phoebe's statement from last minute ago. He was talking about, hey, remember that Code 3 you ran down? And Max is like, oh, you mean the Knight Rider? And he's like, yeah, the Knight Rider. Well, we've got a problem. And Max is like, well, what kind of problem are we talking about? And Phoebe says his friends, word out, he's, uh, they're out to get you. This little exchange they have, Max is pretty cavalier about having a gang of bikers with a grudge against him. Yeah, he doesn't seem to mind at all. Yeah. And it's not his cavalier attitude that bothers me. What bothers me is, how do the bikers know that it was Max, specifically, that took out the Knight Rider? That ran him down and made him crash? Hmm. Because we were listening to the news on the TV, and they didn't specifically mention Max at all. No, just the main force patrol. Yeah. I feel like if the if the news were specifically mentioning Max, and I know that we got a thing from Jesse saying, oh, you made the news again. It's like, yeah, the main force patrol got the news again. And yeah, he's the best writer they have, but they didn't specifically mention him. So, well, why? I think that we can use the previous scene of the, the crash as an example that the Knight Rider crash probably would have had a similar turnout for tow truck drivers and ambulances and other cops showing up. So I think a lot of people knew that it was Max. So probably word of mouth is what you're saying? I think it was word of mouth. And yeah, I think it would have happened pretty quick, which a few days ago. So yeah. it did. Because it would, it would make more sense if the gang was gunning for all MFP officers. It would make sense because, I mean, quite a few of them can, took took part in the chase. Yeah. Uh, but Max was the one indirectly responsible for his death. So I think, yeah, I think they're just being really specific. Mm -hmm. So they must have had very specific information. Yeah. These, these scoot jockeys, nomad trash. Yeah, I found, so we've heard the term scoot jockey before, and we've discussed it before. The term nomad trash... I found that to be a little demeaning. Well, I think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. But we've mentioned before that it looks like, and we'll see in upcoming minutes, that it looks like that they live on a beach. And we'll obviously talk about that more when we actually get to that scene, but this kind of leads you in that direction as well, that they don't have a real base of operations. Yeah, I don't think they the necessarily clubhouse, leave if you anywhere. Will. I don't think they live anywhere. Yeah. It also speaks to what society as a whole thinks of them mm -hmm. which earned or not does provoke some sympathy in me that that they are thought of as trash because they're nomadic well i think that's been and true through all history i know I, I 
just now I thought of gypsies and what society thinks of them historically and how they are looked down upon. And I don't think gypsies like nowadays are nomadic anymore, are they? Are they called? I think I'm trying to think if I feel like gypsies a nickname. It might be. I think. But I guess from the movies. Yeah. Gypsies from the movies are nomadic and people look down on them very, very much. But but I also get the sense throughout the movie, starting in this minute and throughout the movie, that they've earned this disdain from society. Mm-hmm. They behave in some pretty awful ways. So yeah, they they seem very feral. Yes, so to speak. That's I think that's a good word for it. So I don't like the nickname. It makes me feel bad for them. But when I really think about it, they probably deserve it. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I <laughs> so I would never use it. Yeah. So. Max, like we said, very cavalier. He says, oh, I'll add it to my threat collection. Mm-hmm. And then Fifi says, ah, good boy, Max. You're a good boy. And he, like, does this thing where he, like, grabs his face and, like, bats him around. And Max has to almost, like, yeah, fight him off a I, little bit. <laughs> okay, so I made comments in the previous episode and and in my notes about Fifi's fatherly behaviors. But something about that description didn't quite sit right with me with this particular scene. This particular scene, he's more like a big brother. Yeah. Like messing with his little brother. Yeah. He's proud of him. Like he delivered him bad news and his little brother took it really well, but he's still messing with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this this particular interaction was more brotherly than fatherly. It was pretty goofy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So... After Max has to bat VP away, we fade to black and we fade up on a quiet, just like a quiet main street. Mm-hmm. So this street is the town of Clunes in northwestern Victoria. Um, this shot specifically is Fraser Street. Um, F-R-A-S-E-R. Fraser. I actually misspelled it as Fraser a couple of times and I had to go back and fix myself. But given a... Street name, I was able to jump on Google Maps. And unfortunately for me, all of the images on Google Maps, the street view specifically, Mm -hmm. they're all from 2010. So they're like several years out of date. Yeah. And so all of my reference material that like I just have to go on it because it's the only type of material that I have. (laughs) So I'm going to be making all of these statements about Fraser Street and the town of Clunes. It's all several years out of date because Google hasn't driven their street view through there in a while. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of nice as far as trying to figure out where everything is that the street in 1976 when they were filming looks very similar to the street in 2010 when the Google camera drove, drove through. In fact... Not only was I able to figure out like where everything is, but like I have the names of cross streets and whatnot. I'll I'll be able to to get into it pretty well. Just you know, take what I say about the specific look of buildings with a bit of a grain of salt because right, cause it's been seven years. Exactly, a lot changes in seven years. So, but we get the the shot of the nice quiet street, and then we get a side shot of a red Chevy Impala parked up against a building and they've got the radio going on and there's a young couple sitting inside. But before we start talking about them, I did a little bit of reading about this car. It is a 1959 Chevy Impala. The website that I was reading about it on, they they surmised that the Chevy probably wasn't in terribly good condition to begin with based on a couple of clues that, th- that they see mm-hmm. or that they saw. 
over the course of watching the video. But the paint job is definitely new to this car. The, the big flames and the bright red color. Uh, another distinct feature of it are the pipes coming out of the the hood those are just bolted on they serve oh, okay they serve no more purpose than aesthetics yeah just to make it look uh customized yeah uh i think it makes it look bad but that's just me <laughs> they, kept, they I, look really dumb <laughs> i have absolutely no opinion on the aesthetics of the car except that it makes me think of down the road in in the other movies especially in Fury Road, where the aesthetics of the cars have gotten quite elaborate mm-hmm. and and quite like everybody customizes their own car and does crazy things with them. I mean, I think it's Toe Cutter's car that's just one car on top of another car. And so crazy, crazy things. And of course, lots of flames mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's what this car made me think of, was the aesthetic going down the road made you think forward to yeah what is eventually going to happen with all of these vehicles uh-huh so the chevy is parked next to a building and that building is very close to the intersection of fraser street and clunes campbelltown road which is kind of the other major road and right at that intersection which we can kind of see a little bit of off to the left side of the shot when we're looking at the impala and we can kind of see it in other wider shots. There's a marble statue sitting on the side of the road. And it is the Clunes War Memorial. It's a white marble statue of a World War I soldier meant to commemorate those who served in the various conflicts in which Australia has been involved. Um, it was dedicated on April 25th, 1925. And it has a couple of inscriptions on it. Uh, the front reads, Lest we forget, erected in honor of all who enlisted from this town and district for the Great War 1914-18, also in memory of the fallen. Pass not this stone in sorrow, but with pride, and may you live as nobly as they died. We live in deeds, not years. And then on the back inscription, it says this plaque honors our men and women who served in the wars of 1914 through 1918, 1939 through 1945, and in Borneo, Malaya, Korea, and Vietnam campaigns. Only those who deserve freedom who are prepared to defend it. So that's there. Yeah. (laughs) I... I imagine they purposely excluded that statue from shooting. They really did obscure it. Yeah, because... Like it just—it really does not fit the scene. We're we're being introduced to the scene that is all about Toe Cutter's gang, and of course the couple in the the red flaming car play a big role. None of this is good. That's about to happen. None of it is good. There's a lot of menace building. Yes. So you know to show something even like in the corner that you know honors the ideals of a nation just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. So let's just not put it in there at all. Yeah. <laughs> so we go from outside the car to inside the car and where there are a couple of young people asleep. And before we cut away from them, we start hearing this droning sound that kind of starts getting louder. And in the next cut, we get to see what that is. But before we go to the motorcycles rolling into town, uh, the young man, his character has a name. It's Lair. L-A-I-R. Kind of like a dungeon lair. Okay. So his name is Lair. I don't think it's ever mentioned in the movie, but mm. it, it's credited. He has a name. Okay. He um, He's played by Hunter Gibb. And the young woman, who does not get a name, she is just girl in Chevy. Wow. She's played by Kim Sullivan. Okay. 
So Hunter Gibb actually has four things to his name. He has four roles that he played. Uh, First and foremost, he's known for Mad Max. He's also known for another movie called Bellbird, where he played a character named Rob. He was on Prisoner Cell Block H, played a policeman. And then he was on another show called Division 4, where he played like three different characters. He would come back and do different characters for different episodes. Uh, He worked mainly on television between 1967 and 1982. Mad Max was his only film role. Um, But he was also in an episode of Skyways, which was Joanne Samuels' show. Kim Sullivan, on the other hand, Mad Max is her only entry. So she only did one movie. Okay. I don't know if she ever did stage productions or anything like that that IMDb doesn't, you know, record. But she never went back on a television show or a movie or anything like that. Okay. Which, given what her character goes through, you know, can see why she would turn be turned off from movies. Mm-hmm. Real quick about the couple in the car. I think that she was meant to be naked because when before the before the biker gang starts the hum and and they wake up, he's leaning against her and you cannot see she's wearing like a black uh, bandeau type thing. You can't see it at all. From that from that perspective, she looks buck naked. Mm-hmm. That bandeau is the exact sort of thing that a woman would wear who is supposed to appear naked, but is not. I think they're both meant to be... Quite undressed. Quite undressed. That's a good way to put it. Do you think that they're sleeping in the car because they live in the car or because they fell asleep after? I think they... I think it's a little column A, little column B. Yeah. <laughs> that... They live out of that car, but they also do other things in that car. Right. And at least they had the decency to put a blanket over one of the windows. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they might have put the blanket over the window to keep the, you know, giant bugs from getting in. Right. Because there they are giant bugs in Australia that will eat your face. <laughs> so, like we mentioned, there's this giant, there's this big droning sound, this big rumble that's coming in. And as we cut back out onto the street, these motorcycles begin rolling into town. So there are a lot more motorcycles than there are actors in the gang. There are recognizable faces that have names in the credits, but there are just, there's more of them. Right. So those extras um, are actually just regular motorcycle gang members. There's a couple of blurbs that I pulled off of a website, madmaxmovies.com, where they actually talk a bit about the bikers. And so the website says, most people probably know the bikers as the actors who played them in the film. These are the guys whose faces you see whenever there is a close-up and the names you see in the credits. They fit the part well and are all very believable in their roles. And many of them even do some writing in the film. Sometimes the actors even get to perform a bit of the mindless destruction. Case in point, the Impala, that they're going to wreck in a few minutes. For the bigger writing sequences, and especially for the stunts, the actors were replaced by a mixture of stuntmen and bikers from the local Melbourne clubs. The primary club used for most of the film was the Vigilantes. Now, these guys actually have a website, uh, vigilantes.com.au. I tried to click on it, but it wouldn't actually load the website, something about a DNS failure or something like that. I think the the website probably just fell into disrepair and shut down. Anyway, going back to the blurb. Riders from the Vigilantes performed a lot of the precision stunt work, such as burnouts, donuts, monos, and even a few falls. The donut and mono by the Toe Cutter gang in Clunes was a Vigilantes rider. 
So in the next couple of minutes, once they actually start messing with the town. Right. I remember that. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of the work of these actual motorcycle gang members that were brought into the film to add extra bulk to Toe Cutter's gang. Because a gang of only seven to ten guys isn't that impressive. But when you roll in and you've got two dozen motorcycles. Yeah, it's like three times that many. Yeah. Because when they got motorcycles from Kawasaki, they were only given like ten of them. Yeah. And they needed a lot more. One of those was for Goose. One of them was a spare that only leaves eight bikes for the gang itself. Which, you're right, especially in this opening scene where they're all riding into town. Eight eight bikes is not a lot. (laughs) As opposed to like... I don't know. I didn't count them. Maybe 30. That sounds about right. Either two dozen, somewhere between two dozen and 30. Yeah. We'll be able to see pretty well once they all get lined up. Yes. So as they're riding into town, the young couple start to stir. The the young man specifically like moves out of the car and the young woman kind of leans forward to see what's going on. And we actually cut inside the, we actually cut inside one of the buildings to a guy who we're going to get introduced to as the station master. Mm-hmm. He's wearing like a hat with a bug net and he's holding a cane and whatnot. But he hears the sound and he starts to to get up to to go see what's going on. Yeah, the, the way that he does that and the look on his face, he knows their trouble already. Mm. Doesn't seem to be the case very much with the, the couple in the car. And then there's a couple kind of walking out of the building... Yeah. Who seem more curious than anything else. The station master, he seems more concerned when he perks up yeah. hearing the bikers come in. So the station master, he is played by an actor named Reg Evans. He actually died in 2009. He was 80 years old. But his top four on IMDb, first and foremost, Mad Max, where he played the station master. Number two, he was actually in the movie Gallipoli. The, oh, okay. Which we mentioned in an earlier minute, mm-hmm. the World War One movie. He was one of the athletics officials in that movie. Because I think there's... It's been a long time since I've seen Gallipoli, but I remember there being a portion of that movie where you get introduced to the characters and their runners. like, And so before they join up in the army, they're all about running. And so I think he played one of the athletics officials there. The third movie he's best known for is Japanese Story, which came out in 2003. His character was named Bloke in Rowboat. Okay. And then the number four movie he's best known for is The Plains of Heaven in 1982, where he played a character named Cunningham. So aside from those things... Evans was in seven episodes of Homicide, (laughs) but he was in 12 episodes of Prisoner Cell Block H. Oh my goodness. Because everybody was in one of those two shows. Yeah. The show that really stood out to me out of his filmography, they made an Australian version of Are You Being Served? Have you ever seen that show? Uh, I think I have. Are You Being Served is one of those shows from the BBC that PBS took and like would show yes as part of their retail like the department store one that's exactly the one yeah they made an australian version very much how you know the united states made their version of the office Mm -hmm. australia made their version of are you being served and in that show he played kind of the handyman character named mr cocker and i i watched a couple of scenes from it and it's yeah, it's like, are you being served but Australian? 
Okay. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of like recreating the set even. It's kind of eerie <laughs> how similar it looks. But so as the station master serves, we cut outside to those those people you were you were mentioning. The the woman, her character's name is Gumchewer. She's played by Carrie Miller, and the man behind her, his name is Grinner, and he's played by John Farndale. Uh, Carrie Miller has only one credit on IMDb to her name. She only did Mad Max, and she did nothing else. Very much like Kim Sullivan. Uh, John Farndale, on the other hand, has five credits, which means that his top four is literally 80% of everything he ever did. <laughs> and nothing he did is very remarkable. At least not enough to for me to mention. Okay, it just occurred to me that Gum Chewer, mm-hmm. that's the only time she's in the movie, right? That brief scene where we see her standing on in the road chewing gum? She's in this whole sequence. The whole time that they're in town, she's, she's kind of one of the locals that they end up harassing. Okay, but then girl in car gets like a whole part of the storyline centered around her. And yeah. She doesn't get a name. Yeah. I do appreciate that gum chewer and grinner yeah. get named after their like only characteristic. Mm-hmm. She is chewing gum. He is grinning. Yeah, That's wonder- it. Like, what kind of a name is Lair, anyway? Like, I feel well, like... Well, along the lines of Gumchewer and Grinner, maybe because his car is his, like, small cave-like lair. He was also laying down when we initially see him. Yes. So maybe they wanted to say, you know, his name isn't necessarily Lair. It's just laying is what he's doing when we initially see him. So he is the Lair. The Lair. And if you if you say, well, he's laying down, you don't want it to be read like layer, as in like layer cake. So if you kind of spell it out like layer, as in dungeon layer, I guess that would work somehow. But that doesn't excuse the fact that we don't actually hear his name as far as I know. So, no, like, I don't think so. So I think all of this is a moot point. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's, mm. I just wish that they had, like, assigned more names to people. Yeah. This is arguing couple all over again. Not to the that ridiculous <laughs> of a degree where two actors are sharing the same acting credit. But even so. Yes. <laughs> it's that all over again. Yes. It occurred to me as you were talking about the, the actors and other things that they had done. So it's Girl and Car and Gumshewer that have only ever done this, right? Yeah. I expect they were just people pulled off the street. Or, like... A sister or a friend of somebody on the crew. Like, oh, we need somebody to do this. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, yeah, I'll grab my sister. That Throw makes her sense. In. I didn't see anything about that, but it's completely feasible. Right. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Right. That they weren't professional actors per se. They weren't aspiring to have a career. It's just something they did because they got paid 50 bucks. Yeah. You know? So the building that Gumchewer and Grinner are standing outside, I went on Google Street View, and I'm pretty sure the building that they came out of, based on the other buildings around it, um, that building, back in 2010, was a pharmacy slash post office. Still there. Still functioning. Pretty much that entire street, none of those buildings have torn, torn down. The, only, the biggest difference is that things have started to grow in. So we get another wide shot of the street. After we see Grinner and Gumchewer come out, when they start to circle around next to the the statue that I mentioned earlier, and they're driving in front of this green building, which is pretty much a garage. It's got a gas pump outside, and it's got a big old sign that says garage. On Google Street View, you can actually still see that exact sign hanging up on the building. It's just really faded mm. because it's, you know, old. So the gang circles back around. 
the young couple pretty much move to get out of the car to investigate things, and the motorcycles start to line up in front of that store that Gumchewer and Grinner came out of. And we don't actually get to see in this minute the whole lot of them lined up in a wide shot. We get to see that next Monday. Yep. We'll be able to see that. So we'll be able to count and get an accurate number of how many gang members there actually are. But as they're moving past this garage, we we get another shot of the station master. And he's just kind of standing there with his hands in his pockets, just watching them drive by. I get the sense that he has the experience of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what struck me as well, that he's he, the kind of guy that's pretty much seen it all and uh-huh. not much shocks him anymore. Yeah. And that this motorcycle gang coming into town is just another chapter in his book. It's just same stuff, different day for him. And I think I think he's another one of my favorite characters in this movie, just because he kind of goes with the flow of things. Yes, and as we see, that's how to handle the toe cutter gang, is go with the flow. Because if you try and go against the flow, i.e. run away, bad things happen to you. Yeah. So just low profile, go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And then, so the motorcycles, they drive by him, and they start lining up. And we get a very quick shot zoomed in on one of the motorcycle riders as he's kind of starting to back into position. And what we'll see at the beginning of the next minute is all of the motorcycles being completely lined up and then they start to dismount mm-hmm. and you know and it takes a while yeah it takes like a, a while. whole minute <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have some material pulled from the behind the scenes documentary that we saw the other day so we'll spend a lot of time talking about that we'll try and point out several of the characters in the shot and just try and make sure that we provide quality content even though there's not a ton of stuff happening on the the screen as far as plot and dialogue, and things that really make a movie. But it'll be fun to talk about the the Acolyte gang, because they are quite the group of interesting characters, to say the least. Absolutely. So, since it is the end of the week, Julia, do you have any recommendations of things that people can check out? I have one that I can highly recommend. Well, not yet. Because tomorrow we are going to see a show called Brain Candy. It is Adam Savage of Mythbusters fame, of course. And Michael Stevens. Thank you. And Michael Stevens of Vsauce fame have have joined forces and created a science education entertainment show. And they are touring the country uh, February, March, and April. And we get to go see them uh, tomorrow night. So I am highly anticipating this. It's going to be fantastic. And so I encourage you to go check out the website. It's braincandylive.com. They are doing a ton of shows. I think they're doing like seven shows a week, nearly every day traveling across the country. And it's just started. So there's plenty of time to to check out and see if they're coming to your city and to get tickets. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in staying closer to home, they I have a website for you guys to check out. You may have heard me mention them a couple of times. It's www.madmaxmovies.com. This place is a treasure trove of knowledge because it has been 
curated and built up and fan maintained for a long time. We're talking about profiles for every vehicle, tons of background information about the behind the scenes production work for every single movie. There's message boards. There's just tons of stuff to check out. And so if you want to get a leg up on what we're going to be talking about and get a sneak peek of the things that I'm going to bring up because I've been pulling tons of material from this site, just check out madmaxmovies.com. Quick note, if you go to madmaxmovie.com, it just leads you to a trailer for Fury Road. But So add that S on there and it'll take you to the site I'm talking about. And while you're on the internet, you might as well visit our website at madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter, if you feel like it, at madmaxminute. And you can go on Facebook and like us there at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 20. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and men, take me to the end of-